You know, today I want, I want to speak on, it's found in James chapter 3, and then, you know, we at Open Arms, we've got two services, and the great thing about doing two services is both are so different, and come out different ways, and different times, and different avenues, and God speaks in certain ways. But what I'm going to preach this morning to you in James 3 is about the tongue. The power of the tongue. And I think it's probably the most important, not probably, it is the most important weapon that you have in your possession. The power of the tongue. That what you are facing today, what you're going through, good, bad, or indifferent, the tongue will be able to direct you and lead you towards the ways of God. Why? Because he's given us the word of God. The word of God, he says, is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. He said that you are to equip yourself with the sword of the Spirit. What's the sword of the Spirit? It's the word of God found in the tongue that can be spoken and bring life. So I want to read from James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. And James, he's a unique writer in the Bible, probably more so than most of the writers. Why? Because he's the half-brother of Jesus. They had the same mother. And James, as he was also one of the disciples, he had a very unique vantage point because not only did he you know, follow Jesus as a disciple and experience his ministry, but he got to experience his life. Like he, he knew Jesus. He knew him like a brother. Why? Because he was a brother. He got to see Jesus grow up. He got to see Jesus act and, and live out the values and the principles that he was teaching. And, and one thing that I believe that he got to see because we can read it throughout the book of James is, is that James wrote about the power of the tongue more than any other writer in the Bible. And I believe that the why is because he saw how Jesus spoke the word, lived out the word, and he saw how Jesus spoke in private and in public. He saw how Jesus used his words to glorify God at all times, and he used his words to be able to shape the life, the ministry, and of course the future of the church through his words. So with this in mind, because and I wanted to set this up for you. Because these scriptures from verses 1 to 12 are quite harsh, okay? They come quite a little bit like, you said, what? Like, like they're like a little bit harsh. But we need to know that James is coming from the point of view, the vantage point of seeing how Jesus lived. And he says, believers, Christians, brothers and sisters, this is how you should live. You should be mindful of how you use your tongue. You should be mindful about how you speak, the language that you have. It begins at verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Hey, it is a calling, not a career. If you're in it for a career, you're going to be, you're in it for the wrong reasons, and it will eat you up and spit you out. What does he say? Is you're going to, 
be in a position where you're telling others what to do, parents in particular, you better be walking it out because you're going to be called out if you don't. But then listen to verse 2. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, every single one of us. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect. We could also control ourselves in every other way. It sounds like, you know, grandiose almost. But why he says this is because he's going to show us that no matter what, you won't be able to control your tongue. So don't worry, you're never going to be perfect. You're never going to be able to control your whole self. Verse 3, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth and a small rudder make it, makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. It can set your whole world on fire. It can mess you up, mess those around you up. It can mess your day up, your year up by what you say. For it is set on fire by hell itself. Strong words. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. I've never seen anyone tame a fish. But no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who be made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Tough words, yeah? Here's the title I want to speak to you today, is this. Speak life. Change your language, change your life. Change your language, change your life. I need you to give me a little bit of response today. If you agree with me, say amen. Amen means let it be so, or it is done. So if you agree with me in any way today, I give you permission to say Amen. Amen. Here's what verse 2 says. Listen, if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Controlling our tongue is key to controlling our life. I don't know about you. I would love to control my life. And James is saying here that the key is change your language. Change how you speak. I'm not talking about speaking from Gaelic to English or Afrikaans or, or Welsh or, or American because that's a whole other language or, I don't know, Filipino or whatever it is. We're not talking about changing your language that way, but you change how you talk. Change the way you talk. Change what you use with your words. Change your speech. Change the way that I talk. I tell you, I grew up in Newbridge of County Kildare and I was known as a culture. I spoke in such a way that I never knew THs ever existed together. I just, the way that I spoke was like that half the time. And that's the way I spoke. You think I was from the sticks and I was out there living with, in a caravan with the rest of me clan and my family. But instead, when I began to speak in that as an orator, as a speaker, I had to change my language. You know why? 
People hadn't a clue what I was saying. <laughs> I hadn't a clue. Especially other people from different co- countries. They, they didn't know. Why did you say that again? I had to change how I spoke so people could understand me. I say that, of course, I'm joking. Well, I was actually that way. But you sometimes got to change how you speak if you want others to see you differently. If you want to represent God as a Christian, if you want to represent the church, oof, the church has said some bad things. The church says on Facebook. The church loves Facebook, doesn't it? It just loves posting the most horrible things on Facebook. It loves to represent the church with its words. How about we represent the church? How about we change our language? You change your life and you change the lives of those around you. Amen? I've been really challenged by this recently about the language that I choose to speak. And why I say that recent, when I say recent, I mean recent days, weeks, months, and I found myself, I don't know if you, you maybe do this, but speaking down when I feel down. You ever do that? Speaking tired when I feel tired. Speaking stressed when I feel stressed. Speaking anxious when I feel anxious. And what, what happens is I've realized and I've experienced that how I speak shapes how I think. How I speak shapes how I behave. How I speak shapes how I act. And here's what's really crazy. My feelings determine my speech. Guess what it does? It, it shapes my feelings. And then we go in this vicious spiral where we're like, I feel this way. Why do I always feel this way? Because I am so this way. And we begin to speak it into reality. And hear me, what I'm saying, I'm not saying, well, if you see, say it this way or you say it in this way, then, you know, you're, I'm not anxious. But I am anxious, but I'm not anxious. It's not going into self-denial. It's not like disregarding your feelings. I'm not saying that. But, but how we speak and the way we speak, it can shape our life. It can shape our environment. It can shape our relationships. It can shape the home that we're in. It can shape my children. Have you ever woken up on the wrong side of the bed and you didn't sleep well last night and you woke up and, and you get up and you're grumpy? If you were to take a picture, a snapshot, what would the environment be like around you? I tell you what, it would be a, re- a reflection of how you're speaking, how you're coming across. We can speak not so much just always through our words, but through our appearance as well. The Lord's been speaking to me and challenging me about this area of my life and because I, w- I want Him to change my life. I, I truly do. I want Him... I want to be like an open book where he's able to see and like a, like a skilled surgeon be able to dissect and take out certain areas and put in certain things. So what he's been speaking to me about is change my language, change my life. I got to speak life. I'm tired. But thank God I'm alive, I'm standing, I'm well. And God, I pray that you give me the strength to get through this day without strangling one of my four children. Lord, I pray, God, that you just help me in Jesus' name. I we speak life. I really want to encourage you because instead of rather being in denial of the feelings, of the situation, of the circumstance, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying there to be fake Christians who are always on. But not in denial of that, but rather not allowing those things to control us and instead controlling our tongue. 
I, I, I know what's going on, but I thank God that his word is steadfast and true. And I stand on his word that is firm and it's my foundation. And I will speak his word in Jesus' name. I want to share with you today four truths of the tongue found in James chapter 3. And for all of us to choose to change our language, to speak the language of the Holy Spirit. The language that is kingdom language. Biblical language. It's not language that's King James, this thou art. No, it's real. It's re relational. It's like applicable to our own lives. But understanding more about the power of our tongue can help us to understand, as Proverbs 18, 21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death. I want to use my tongue, my speech, my language, my words to bring life. Even in the face of death. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and I will fear no evil. Why? Because my God is with me. His rod and his staff, it comforts me. So therefore, why should I fear? Because God is with me. So even in the face of death, even when I'm experiencing death, even when I'm feeling death, I'm going to speak God's word and it's going to bring life in Jesus' name. Here's the first truth about the tongue is the tongue is disproportionately powerful. The tongue is disproportionately powerful. James is trying to teach us here that the, the tongue is disproportionate to the rest of the body. A tongue known as one of the strongest muscles in our body is out of proportion when it comes to the rest of us, yet it it can control our very lives. It can control our very existence. Of course, we could say that it's just powerful, but it, we need to understand it has controlling power. In order to illustrate this, James gives us three analogies. Firstly, he says that the tongue is a bridle or a bit. Verse 3, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. What is a bridle or a bit? It's it's a small piece of metal that's just like it's Leopardstown racing today. That they're all going to be there. The jockeys on the horses. The little bit in the mouth. What can they do? They can direct. They can direct the horse slightly in the direction. He says, just like a bit in its mouth can direct a horse, your tongue can direct your life. You ever seen a wild horse? maybe on TV or maybe in person. You ever seen a wild horse? What does it do? It wanders around aimlessly. No direction. No guidance. No purpose, really. It brings, it brings no value to anyone. What we can take from it, James is saying, when your tongue is out of control, it's as if you're wandering around aimlessly. But when your tongue is in control, in control of what? In control of the Holy Spirit, in control according to God's word. When it's in control, it will give you direction. It will give you guidance. It will actually lead you to fulfill the purpose of God when it is controlled by the Holy Spirit. Secondly, James describes that the tongue is a rudder. Verse 4 says, a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. The Titanic was 882 feet long and 11 stories high and its rudder was only 78 feet long. It was less than 10% of this massive ship. And we can, we can just picture analogy. This gigantic ship, the Titanic, with such a small rudder was able to steer that massive ship into an iceberg, steer that massive ship 
He's saying, James is saying, it's the same as your tongue can steer, even though the winds are strong. What does that mean? Even though we live today, 7 of May, 2023, modern culture, everybody is enlightened. Everybody is more intelligent than we've ever been before. And what has happened? Negativity, cynicism, and pessimism is at an all-time high. We are all professional critiques. We love to criticize. You get promoted if you criticize. If you can point out the problem, you've done a good job. That's our world today. Even though the winds are strong and society, culture, what we know within us is pulling us the other way to gossip, to slander, to be negative, to pull down rather than build up. Even though your tongue can be directed, even though the winds are strong. Directed towards where? Directed towards the word of God coming to pass through your tongue, saying, even though, yes, this is the reality, God has said, this is where we're going. There is hope. There is life. I will have faith. I will not fail. I will not be lost. This is going to happen. Even though we may be experiencing a storm, you know what? We, we steer our tongues through the storm. Use your tongue, your words to help get you through rather than complaining and moaning and I love to complain and moan and scripture says bring your complaints to the Lord that's what we need to do we need to confess we need to bring our complaints to the Lord but rather than complaining through the storm be able to use your word and say you know what we're going to get through it we're going to get through it it's going to be okay it's going to it's going to work out it's going to how, how is it going to work out well, when is it going to work out? Where is it going to work out? When is it going to work out? What's going to work out? What's going to work out? You know, I, we were buying the building. We just bought a building. And uh, got the keys. We had our first meetings there this week, which was really cool. And uh, we were buying the building. And how it all happened, one day I'll tell the full story. But how, how it all happened was, was so quick, it was so fast. And, and we had to buy it, bought it cash, debt-free. We bought it. We had to buy it um, unconditional. There's a word that's in the term there. Unconditional. I thought marriage was unconditional. Sometimes buying a building is unconditional. That means that no matter what happens, once you do all your, you know, you're your, your checking everything and you get your engineers and all these different things, you buy it, the deal's done, it's made. And so we bought the building without the change of use. It's one of the decisions we had to make with our board, with our directors. We said, right. We're going to make this. So we bought the building. We signed the contract. We transferred the money. Everyone like that. Someone said to me, came up and said, hey, what if we don't get to change use? I said, are you serious? <laughs> You're asking that question. We bought the building. Yeah, but what if, what if we don't get it? I could put my energy, my worry my sleepless nights into thinking about what if, what you want to bring along, but God is going to do it. Why? Because he gave us a building. And he's going to do it. I'm not going to, we'll cross that bridge when it comes. God's going to make it happen. It will be so. Why? Because he's provided. Well, I say to you in your own life, in your own walk, what you're going through and other people and you yourself are saying, yeah, but what if? Oh, yeah, but what if? Stop talking. 
God is going to bring us through. We will get through this. Remember everyone in COVID saying, this is the way it will always be. We're all going to die. We're all going to happen. And you say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. What you've said in the past has framed your life today. What you say today is going to steer you through the storm and get you through tomorrow. Here's a third analogy to describe. The tongue is a spark. Verse 5, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Sometimes the most insignificant spark, it can be a cigarette that's being flicked out of the moving car, can fall into a forest, and it can begin a forest fire. And Research has shown that it takes 11 years for a burned-down forest to grow back. Not only just 11 years, it takes decades for it ever to be restored to its previous value. Something so beautiful can be destroyed by a careless flick of a small spark. The same is true of our words. Oftentimes we don't even think about what we say and who we say it to, the comments that we make, the criticisms that we say, all, all the things that happen. What, what we're saying can cause the most devastating destruction that can run rampant for years and years and years and years. And James is saying that the bridle, the rudder, and the spark, each analogy it shows that the tongue is disproportionately powerful. Here's the second thing he says in verse 6, and the tongue is a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. You can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. The tongue is inherently evil. Inherently evil. In other words, that from the day that we are born, our tongue is set to evil. And that might seem a bit extreme. But what does that mean? It means that our, we are born bad from birth. It's just natural. Like, I don't know, have you, have you ever seen a toddler or a child, baby? Have you ever had to teach it how to be bad? No. I know, I've got four boys. I tell you. You don't have to teach them how to be bad. You don't, you don't have to teach them how to say all the wrong things. You don't have to teach them to learn all the curse words, right? You know, I don't even know where to pick it up half the time. You don't need to teach them that. What you need to teach them is to say the respectful things, the right things. Say, yes, please. No, thanks. Yes, mommy. I love you, mommy. You're the greatest mommy. Whatever it is that you got to teach your children. Why? Because we are all born this way. We are naturally set towards evil. And her tongue is set on fire by hell itself. We're all born with a bad tongue. And the default setting of our tongue is evil. And it can have devastating impact. Think back to your primary and secondary school years. What were some of the memories that stick out to you and the words that were spoken over you? What were some of the words that were spoken over you? And I don't say this to bring up the past. And, but we all know of those things that were hurtful and embarrassing, maybe about a certain way that our body was or our, our facial features stood out, or maybe some of us were uh, white in an all-black school or black in an all-white school. You know, you're, then it becomes about your color. It becomes about your gender, maybe. It becomes all about these things. And what happens is the comments and the sayings and the slander, it can begin to not only shape your identity, but it shapes your future. It can be devastating. It can be something that all of us know, like a small spark and set off a forest fire. It destroys such 
beauty. This is why it's so important. And we need to teach our young people, teach our children, speak life. Speak life. Change your language. Change your life. Save a life. My kids were telling me they learned about cyberbullying. He's nine years old, learning about cyberbullying. Why? Because words are spoken with fingers that cause others to take their own life. The power, life or death. We are each inherently evil. This is why we need to set our tongues towards the Lord. Hey, take control of my words. Take control of my tongue. Be mindful of my language. Here's the third thing, verse 7 and 8. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Here's the third truth of the tongue is the tongue is humanly untamable. Humanly untamable. Ever been told these words, you should think before you speak? You ever, you ever said something and you want to get the words just back in your mouth? <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. I don't know about you, but that, those, you know, that proverb that others say, you should really think before you speak. No, I'm 35. No matter how many times in my 35 years, I still say the most stupid, ridiculous things, even though I may have thought all I could think before I spoke. It, why? Our tongues are untamable. Humanly, and this is the important word, humanly untamable. They are tameable. Divinely tameable. You see, when we become Christians and we surrender our life to the Lord, what we also ought to do is we need to surrender our tongues to, God, to the Lord. Help me to speak different. Help me to talk different. Change my language just as you've changed my heart. You see, it can be impossible for us, but when we surrender our speech to God and we choose to speak life, we can change our life. Here's a fourth thing in verse 9 to 12. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who be made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. There's a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water. There's a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs. No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Out of the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. The tongue is contrastingly productive contrastingly productive. The key word is contrastingly. You can produce two things at the same time. Blessing and cursing. Praise and put down. Encouragement and criticism. Have you ever witnessed, especially in Ireland, my goodness, we're the best at this. We can build you up just to cut you down. Oh, you thought we were giving you a compliment. No, no, wait till you hear this. That's what we're so good at. Our culture. We can cut you down like that in so many different ways because... We need to understand that our tongue is not just productive, it's contrastingly productive. The tongue is unnatural. The tongue can do what nature cannot do. This is what James says. He says, no tree can produce two kinds of fruit. It would be unnatural. Nor can you draw fresh water from a salty spring, yet this is what the tongue can do. Remember, the tongue is in apparently evil. This is that a blessing and curses, curses can come from the tongue. What does that mean? That we can be standing in here this morning, worshiping God, praising God, the Lord bless me. Yes, me, God. Yes, me. And we walk out of here and we'll curse someone down. I've seen you all drive. I, I know I, 
The Holy Spirit told me. <laughs> you curse others down. Curse them in your heart. Curse others down. Hey, the church, man. Curse people down. Anti this, anti that. It's been known for what we're against, not what we're for. We're open arms. Our goal is to be life-giving, life-changing. Grace, love, empathy, mercy. We, we as Christians, and this is what James is saying, he's saying, cut it out. Brothers and sisters in Christ, believers, guys, stop it. Cut it out. Because what you're doing, you are actually stopping the work of the Holy Spirit working through you. That God wants to use you. He wants to direct you. He actually puts you in that relationship. Rather than you actually seeing this certain identity that you have a problem against. And actually instead of you actually using your judgment in the situation. He puts you in that situation for love. And you failed. You let them down. You could have been the one to build them up. And rather than setting your differences aside and putting God in the middle, you chose to use your word to bring them down. We all, each and every one of us, we do this. And here, James is trying to get us to see that you can use your mouth, yes, for cursing, but for blessing, to build others up. Yes, you may have walked a certain path and used your language a certain way, but you know what you can do? You can change your language. That. Just make a decision. The tongue is inherently evil. I'm sorry, disproportionately powerful, inherently evil, humanly untamable, and contrastingly productive. And these four truths bring us to one central truth in Proverbs 18, 21. The power of the tongue brings death and life. It brings death life. A word not only has the power to shape our lives and lives around us, but because we are reflectors, we are mirrors made in the image of God that reflect the creative power where God spoke the world into existence. He said, let there be light. And then the word became flesh and dwelt among us just as we are reflectors of God. We are not God. We are not small gods. We are not these people who've called to be God within our own world because today the problem with us is people think that they are God, but instead we are reflectors. We are images of the created one who've been given creative power. How? Through our words. And here's what is important. This is what I'm going to stress to you, encourage you. Just as death can come from our words, so can life. So speak life. Speak life. Change your language. Change your life. The, the life that you need in your marriage is in your tongue. You tell your wife, wow, you look smoking hot. <laughs> Babe, I love you. I love what you do. I love how you do it. I love the way you cook this meal. I love the way you told our children off today. I love the, you start, you start changing your language. I'm telling you, the home begins to change. Your relationship begins to change. You begin speaking life into your marriage and say, I know we've had tough times. I know I failed you. I've let you down. I've, I've, brought so much trouble and disgrace maybe is part of your story but you say God has redeemed me he's changed me and I believe that we've got greater ahead for our marriage we've got greater ahead for our life hey the life that your children need 
It's in your tongue. It's in your tongue. You could speak into your boy, your girl. You could speak into the teenagers that so many speak down. You know what's wrong with this generation? Well, you know what's wrong with your generation is you've taken so much time to complain and critique and criticize the generation. You never take time to build them up. It's build them up. The life that your children need is in your tongue. The life that your career needs is in your tongue. Maybe you need a completely... Shock your boss by telling them they're doing a good job. <laughs> That'll change things. The life that you need in your mind is in your tongue. So use your tongue to speak life, bring life. How, how, how can we do this? Well, it's actually quite simple, but incredibly hard. Firstly, you choose stop speaking death. Start speaking life. Stop speaking death. Just stop it. Just finish it. I don't speak that way anymore. I don't curse like that anymore. I don't gossip like that anymore. I see the problem. I know I'm right. Workers were always right. Well, I'm not going to. I'm going to choose instead. Rather than be right, I'm going to bring peace. So here as we finish, I want you to think about Right now, who has spoken life over you? In your life. May have been when you were a child. It may have been when you were coming to form and setting out as a young man or as a young woman. It may have been the love of your life, and that's why you love them. It may have been recently and just someone spoke over you in the most amazing way that it gave you confidence gave you hope it gave you the ability to think that this may be possible and maybe when they were speaking life over you what they were saying wasn't even true yet hadn't even happened in fact, it might have been the exact opposite of what was happening. But they believed in you. And those words spurred you on. Actually, those words began to build in you and come to fruition, began to come and take form. Maybe you're here today because your husband or wife could have chosen to be horrible to you because you deserved it could have judged you and criticized you, but rather have shown you love. Maybe you were once an alcoholic. Someone spoke freedom into your life. Maybe you were once insecure. Someone spoke greatness over your life. Maybe you were depressed and suicidal. Someone spoke hope over your life. Maybe you were lost your faith and your spirituality and someone spoke God's word over your life. Think about that. Who, what were some of the words? Who were some of the people? As you think about that and bring it to the forefront of your mind, what has impacted my life greatly has been my parents became Christian when I was, you know, a young boy and it changed our whole home and family dynamics. It changed my future. And one of the things that 
really has shaped me has been the words of my parents when I was a young boy between the ages of, you know, 5 to 12 to 15. And there were so many words that helped shape me. My dad used to say, he used to say, Sean, you'll be a better man than I ever was. Let me tell you, there's been days where I felt like the most weak, insecure, insignificant, got nothing to give, no one likes, no one, I do not deserve to be here. I felt like that person so many times, and it's those words that have built me up, given me confidence. What were the words that were spoken over you that gave you encouragement, that gave you confidence? So take that. I'm going to ask you this question. How are you going to use your words today? When you go home, what will you speak over your children? What will you speak over their future? Will you choose to take intentional time with them to speak what may seem so simple and, you know, significant, and they should know this, you know, they, they should know what I'm about to say, but you just take the time to speak it and how it will shape them and change it. What will you speak over your marriage, your husband, your wife? Will you, will you choose to actually say, you know what I love about you? You know, rather than criticizing and nagging and complaining and what's filled our home with so much dissension, I'm going to speak unity, I'm going to speak peace. What about your relationships, your friendships? We all, every one of us, need friends no matter what area of our life. One really good friend. Are you going to choose to say, I love you. Thankful for you. You've always been there for me. You speak life into your co-workers, into your, your family members, your extended members. What are you going to speak and choose to use your words to speak life? Be intentional. Speak life. Speak encouragement. And I'm going to give you homework today. I know. You thought you weren't going to get homework in church. I'm going to give you homework. You all ready for that? Yeah? God's going to be watching you, so you got to do it, okay? <laughs> I want every single one of us to write a, a note or a card or a text, whatever, according to your own thing that you like to do. Write a note or a card or a text of encouragement, intentional, specific. Right? Not, I love you. You're cool. Go for it. <laughs> right? Not, 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 not something vague. Something specific. I want you to write to one person. Today. You might be like, I'm going to write to ten people. That's great. One person. What well, one person comes to your mind right now and you take it and you make a mental note of it, you're going to write a note, a card, or a text to them. Just tell you love. Tell them what you love about them. There has been so many text messages. My phone is full of thousands of text messages that I have. I forget the second I read them, but there are some ones that were sent where the Holy Spirit prompted them and they sent it to me. I can remember it word by word. Because it meant something to me in that moment. Do not disregard the words that you use for they will make an impact and they might even make an impact for eternity. The tongue is the power of life or death. Control your tongue. And therefore, you will be able to control everything else. 
as we invite the worship team back up and we finish. I want to encourage you. Choose to stop speaking death over your health. Don't allow your health be the thing that holds you back. Don't allow life to pass you by because of the ailment or the disease or the crippling pain that you may have. And I'm, again, I'm not making light or insignificant of it, but what God has ahead for you, he's called you towards. And even with these health issues that you may have, you speak life, God's going to give me the strength. I'm going to be a testimony. I'm a living testimony. Even though I don't feel like it and I feel terrible and horrible, I'm going to do it. I'm going to speak life. God's called me. He's given me this. Choose to stop speaking death over your finances. Oh, but you don't know, seriously, like how expensive everything is and the fuel is this way and electricity is this way and, I, and my job, my, my job is not right and I, I don't get this and I didn't have a childhood or an education like this or Stop it. Stop speaking death over your finances. They do not define you. You don't need them. You don't need them to fulfill the purpose and promise of God. He's your provider. He'll give you what you need. Stop speaking death over your career. Maybe what needs to change in your job is you. That's a tough one to hear. Maybe who needs to change is you. Maybe you just need to change your language. It doesn't mean that you have to be there, but you might change your language, change your environment. You get another opportunity. Now you're finishing somewhere well so that you can step into something new. Stop speaking death over your relationships. But we can see the problems. That's I'm My problem, I've learned through counseling, is unrelenting standards. It's my problem. Like if headline, Sean, big problem. He's too high standards for everyone else. That's my problem. Too high standards for my wife, for my kids, for my friendships, for my church. He's analytical. Doesn't shut up half the time. Points out all the problems. That's, that's my problem. I got to choose to accept and love and be gracious. I gotta, I gotta work on me. I want to encourage you: change your language about you and your words about you and who you are. For you're created in the image of God. You're a son and daughter of God. You're a child of God. You're cherished. You're loved. You've been called for such a time as this, in this day, in this generation, in this country. And here's a final thing I'll say as I finish. You may need to check the condition of your heart. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks.